Hello and welcome to the Matt and Shaheen podcast. We're here on episode 10. Matt, how are you feeling? I'm excited to be here. Where are we, Shane? We're in London again. <laughs> Field trip time. So we are in Allgate, um, and today we'll be interviewing Rasheen, who is the head of banks at Flux, a digital receipt um, startup that connects to digital banks. Um, actually started off connecting with challenger banks, and then from there moved on to try and crack the kind of incumbent bank market. Um, Rasheen's probably going to correct me on that later. Um, so yeah, we're really looking forward to this one um, because obviously Flux are making waves in um, the space around receipts and kind of they've got a campaign going on at the moment called Beat the Receipt. Um, so a couple of really good benefits because first and foremost, um, there's the environmental aspect, um, but also we all we know how kind of relevant receipts are in the accounting and bookkeeping mm. space. So we thought, be, we thought this would be really interesting. Um, yeah, Matt, what do you think? I think we should get stuck into this. This is going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of quality content on there. A lot of that, a lot of different people will be able to take from this, not just accountants, but people from all kinds of industries. So shall we just get cracking? Let's do it. Rasheen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and correct Shaheen if his description of flux was correct or not? No, it was it was absolutely right. Awesome. So um, yeah, so I'm head of banks at Flux, and, and really that does mean working with um, of all types of banks. So uh, maybe it would be more accurate even to say card issuers. So really, Flux can work with with anyone that has a card of some kind. So you might have an app which shows a transaction view. So at the moment, we are working with um, some of the very well known challenger banks out there, Mondo and Starling. But you're absolutely right, um, the incumbent banks and some of the major banks are very much interested. Um, Barclays is, is a partner of ours. And really for Flux to, to become the company that we want it to become, we have to work with, with everyone out there. So where are you at at the moment? Tell us about kind of state of play, state of the nation, um, what's kind of got you up to this point and where do you kind of see things going? Sure. So, so to bring things kind of to basics, so Flux is, is a fast growing Series A startup. And what we do is we deliver digital receipts into a banking app. So they sit right next to your transaction view. So that means what we're doing is providing people with item level breakdown of their exact purchases right down to the product. So this is really the first time that people have been able to see at an item level rather than seeing just a merchant name and an overall amount that they've spent. Um, so we're enriching that, that view for people in their mobile banking apps. Um, and to do that, what we have to do is basically take information from both the bank, so in terms of the transaction information, and the merchant in terms of SKU level data. We match that, and we do all of this in seconds, and we push it back to a bank in the form of receipt to then display to a customer. Um, so that's, that's what we do, and that's our technology. Uh, a bit more about Flux, we are part of the Barclays 2017 Accelerator powered by Techstars, so we were alumni of that a few years back, and we've made huge progress in a very short time frame. So we have a very lofty ambition to become the world's first API that makes receipt data accessible and standardised. Um, and right now, as I mentioned, we're working with Monzo, we're working with Steins, we're working with Barclays. Um, and the big mission is to really work with, with everyone out there to make Flux available everywhere. I think this is so interesting. Like It blows my mind, this kind of technology. Um, what's the appetite for this? So really, really good. Um, so the appetite is strong, um, maybe stronger than a lot of people believe. People actually really care about receipts. So I think research recently shows 75% of people say they prefer to receive receipts digitally than they do right now in a kind of paper form. But right at this moment in time, only one in 20 people actually receive receipts digitally. So that's likely when you go to a shop and they ask for your email address um, or when you buy online. 
Um, so at Flux, we know people don't want paper receipts. Um, they also don't want to spend extra time at the till providing email addresses. Um, this is a bit of a bugbear for a lot of people. So they, want to, they don't want to add time to their shopping experience. So we recognize that. We recognize that receipts are valuable information, though. They contain purchase history. And so our solution is basically to automatically create a receipt at the point of payment. <coughs> so without adding any friction to that process, you tap your card, it, it appears in your banking app. We think that's the right answer. So we've seen a really positive response from people, um, both in trial stages and full rollout with lots of the bank partners we work with. Um, and there's some, been some really interesting recent focus groups and kind of customer lab sessions. Um, you'll see probably on social media, on kind of Monzo community and, and other places that I think customer advocacy is a major part of our momentum. You know, we, we almost have these people now kind of shouting out to their retailers and even their banks saying, you know, get this technology, I, I like it, it works for me, it's really useful, I find it really handy. Um, and it's kind of people coming to us now kind of with the use cases for, for how this can be used going forward. So I think what's really interesting is actually like earlier this year, um, I went into Debenhams to buy a suit. Um, and I was actually surprised when the woman at the counter asked me for my email address. So I said, oh, what's that for? Like, I prefer not to go into any marketing list. And she said, no, it's just for us to send you a receipt. Yeah. Um, and then moments later, she handed me my suit and a paper receipt. <laughs> yeah. So I got an email with my digital receipt, yeah. but I also got the paper receipt. And I told her, like, didn't you, I, I asked her, I was just curious. I was like, didn't you just send me an e-receipt? And she's like, yeah, but obviously we still print these because people ask for them. Yeah. And I was like, thinking to myself, like, genuinely how many people ask for the paper receipt after knowing they're going to get a digital one? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I was actually just blown away by that process because clearly the big retailers are thinking about it or have thought about it or it's in people's minds that there could be a solution to paper receipts, but... We still haven't got past that kind of like the, the old school way of doing things or like the, what is it, an infrastructure thing yeah, or like what do you think? It is partly that. It is partly the technology there that it's sort of, it's, you know, you're, you've got say a, a big retail business, they've got thousands of different, you know, tills um, at different sites um, and it, it's kind of, yeah, in some ways sort of overhauling that a bit. Um, <clears throat> the fact is um, paper receipts we believe will not, will not kind of be gone overnight. And so we're going to coexist in that world for a long time. Um, and so for that, that really, what that means is that, yes, you can still take your paper receipt, but what we'd hope is slowly but surely the trust will emerge that actually you will have your receipt in your banking app and it will be delivered there safe and securely. Uh, and therefore, going forward, we won't need this kind of printing of the receipt still. Um, so we're still at this kind of, I guess, crossover stage. Um, and, and slowly, I think things will, will change there. Hmm. What's interesting also, I think, is like how this technology leapfrogs email address, right? Because essentially the receipt has no value to the retailer. Because essentially once it's printed and they rip it off and give it to you, the retailer never gets in contact with that receipt ever again or knows what's on it. Um, that stuff is either stored in their POS or in their database, and they kind of don't know who the customer was, right? Yeah. Um, and then the other option is you could think like, all right, if the retailer just gets rid of paper completely, they just say, all right, we'll only do email addresses. But you guys are actually just skipping that stage completely through the API economy. Yes. Um, or, you know, we kind of live, I guess, in, in parallel with that. So uh, an example would be Just Eat, um, which is obviously an online merchant. Um, and they still, customers of Just Eat will still receive a, an email receipt, but they would also be able to receive one in their banking app. And, um, and there's quite a few reasons why Just Eat still find what we do very useful and valuable. Um, and I think so do customers. 
because I think having them all in one place rather than separate emails where you're kind of, I imagine if anyone's inbox looks a bit like mine, when you have the email you give away sometimes to merchants as well, <coughs> might be the one that has a hell of a lot of other emails in there. Um, digging around in that can be a bit tricky. So I think this is a just much more neater, more convenient way of storing receipts ultimately. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of common challenges, obstacles are you finding in the business at the moment? So I guess like any other startup, um, you know, our major challenges are our kind of traction, credibility at a very early stage. You know, we create something that, that's truly innovative. It is disruptive. And it's how do you how do you even start on that mission? Right. So for folks to become ubiquitous, we really need to scale. And by scale, I mean, um, you know, being everywhere, being recognized as a norm. Um, and that basically means partnering with with all retailers out there and all banks. So it's available to, to every customer through their banking app. It becomes a norm. Um, and when you go and pay any retailer, you can receive a digital receipt. So we want it to be as familiar as contactless payment technology. And it's an example we often use because it was something that, that kind of came about and you had this sudden adoption. And now very, very quickly, that's the norm. And it's the expectation when you get a bank card is that it's contactless. Um, I guess other challenges we have, like any startup, is, is really hiring great people to keep pace with projects and plans we have. Um, so you're here, we've, we've just you know, got new offices and um, they're nowhere near full. There's about 20 odd people here and we've got free space for 70 and uh, God knows how many more. Um, you know, we have major projects going on. We need to hire lots more people over lots of different kind of teams um, to really kind of, I suppose, win in this space. Um, and then I guess the other thing is is always the the kind of competing priorities you have as startup, right? You're you're deciding between you know do we do this or, or do we do that? Um, and for us, it's keeping focus on what are the big big things that are going to make the massive difference to us. So winning the biggest merchants out there, you know, talking to to supermarkets, um, getting access to to millions of customers at once. Um, where can we add the most value as well for customers? And uh, thinking about that because. When you've got something um, as cool as what we have, which is a kind of, I guess, a data set that maybe people haven't had before, um, there's lots of different ideas thrown around. You could do this, you could do that. And it, I guess it's sort of being disciplined and saying, well, no, this is the mission. This is what we want to do. And so to achieve that, we, we need to set about kind of these key goals, first of all, and then the kind of world you oyster in, mm -hmm. in many senses. Mm -hmm. So customer... You mentioned customer a few times. Yep. So customer is really interesting because customers are not just essentially consumers, yep. but also potentially businesses. Um, so in the space that we operate, obviously through accountants and bookkeepers, I think what's really interesting here is like the emergence of this technology and we're still actually facing huge numbers of adoption with OCR technology. Yeah. Um, so how do you think this kind of shift to the technology that you guys are rolling out with banks. How do you think that competes with OCR technology or how do you think this becomes then relevant for an accounting practice when they're you know, talking to their customers or talking to their businesses about like, here are ways you can automate essentially capturing a transaction. Yeah. Um, like how do you see guys operating in that space? And yeah, it's a really good point. So um, as I kind of mentioned, we, we don't see paper receipts suddenly disappearing overnight. Um, and because of that, um, you know, we are going to exist alongside uh, paper receipts and lots of other technologies that are based around that. Um, and there's absolutely no problem with that as far as we're concerned. Um, what we're trying to do is, I guess, take away that, act that extra level of, of friction or, you know, lack of automation you currently have. So 
if you're a small business owner, you're a freelancer, or you're an employee that wants to expense something, you still pay with your card, you take that receipt, so that transaction, even though it might be on your, your corporate card or whatever it is, and you take a picture of it, right? So it's OCR technology. Now, um, that's fine, and, um, and it works to some degree, but there's still often a bit of manual intervention there, um, and it's not always reliable in some ways. Um, you know, what we would hope is that one day, if we can, I guess, shortcut that, so as soon as you're tapping your card, the receipt's already there, it's where you need it, and you can access it straight away, or you can leave it, or you can push it to an accounting software, or an expense software, or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's really where we come in. Cool. That is, um, I think, both exciting and scary <laughs> for accountants and bookkeepers. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I genuinely think that a lot of our listeners who are in that space or like own a practice or work in practice either think this is something that is truly exciting and will kind of change that initial compliance piece. Yeah. Or it's something that is just like, that's ah, never going to take off and you know, yeah. that kind of approach. Or maybe we just don't understand it yet. We don't understand like the richness of the data or the potential for that data. Because um, there's so many levels to it, right? There's like the compliance, there's mm-hmm. regulation. There's like adoption. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, what do you think some of your challenges are in that space in the maybe like B2B space? Yeah. So I guess it, it's a space that we, we've started to realize there is um, there's some real value that we can bring. But it's, it's not where we started out. So, you know, as you can probably tell from the kind of merchants we've onboarded, we've looked at those which are the sort of places where anyone has their lunch or, you know, you buy your clothes from or, or whatever else. Um, we weren't necessarily thinking about small business market straight away. Um, but as I mentioned, if we're going to win um, all merchants in the UK, um, then we will start to have more and more relevance for where maybe someone, I don't know, purchases their stock or their equipment or, or potentially, um, you know, maybe has a subscription service or whatever else you need. Um, and I think that's maybe when, you know, our receipts can be useful and valuable. Um, it's also worth pointing out that, that quite often we have VAT receipts too, and as a standard we are trying to make that, that set. So for all our merchants receive a VAT receipt, so that then has some good implications, which means um, we have exact VAT amounts, potentially we can help with you know, VAT returns. Um, and you know, I think it's really building um, slowly but surely on this concept that, that potentially we, we can move into that world um, eventually with the right merchants, um, with the right understanding of what we provide as a service. Um, it won't be overnight, but, but there's definitely something there in the future. I think that's so exciting. This is really cool. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. The lights have just gone yeah, off. Yeah. Is that we're a cue or like? We're getting, we're getting kicked out of the office from the sounds of things. Um, we'll, we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. If the door locks, then we know we're in trouble. <laughs> we'll keep going in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I already touched on your kind of beat the receipt campaign, which is obviously awesome. So, what effects right now of paper receipts? And really, from your point of view, what does paperless look like? And do you think that's really achievable? Yeah, so, so we 100% do. I mean, mm. the, the mission of the company was, was you know, founded on this principle that, that we can eradicate paper receipts, that it is a wastage that is completely unnecessary. Um, so the stat that we roll out time and time again is that in, in a year in the UK, we produce 11.2 billion paper receipts, um, which, is, which is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is equivalent of all of London's trees, right? So in all the parts of London, um, effectively. 
Now, 90% of receipts go unused completely, so probably binned about a minute after the transaction has just happened um, or lost straight away or whatever else. Um, so we know that that's pure waste. Um, yes, receipts are valuable. Yes, some people hold on to them. But, but quite often, you know, people scrunch them up and throw them away. And the ink is bad too, isn't it? Yeah, so what it is, it's the, the actual the paper that receipts are made from. So they have thermal coating, which is, um, there's a chemical BPA on them. So 50% of receipts have that. And that means that 50% of receipts are therefore not recyclable, which again, people wow. often don't realise. So when you have this scale of waste, um, yeah, it, it's the fact that actually they're not mm. going to break down that easily. Um, it's that kind of shiny um, yeah. thing you can kind of see on them. Um, so, so yeah, so we were founded on environmental cause. We genuinely believe we can make a big impact. Um, we launched Beat the Receipt as a campaign um, not too long ago and had huge, huge kind of advocacy for it. So a lot of the retailers we work with, they see this as something of a wider kind of, I guess, um, remit for them of maybe improving their business in terms of eco-friendliness. Um, you know, banning plastic straws, it might be, or incentivizing people to use kind of, you know, reusable cups or whatever it is. Um, so, so it got picked up in, in loads of press, we were in the Times, we were actually on BBC One show, uh, we are in Forbes, um, and, and now we're kind of rolling from that, you know, we're, we're trying to make this, uh, kind of make a name for ourselves in that world, uh, and say, look, not only is it more useful and it's more convenient, but it's also nicer and it's better for the environment, so ultimately we should move that way. Yeah. Just to let our listeners know, we are now officially in darkness. <laughs> so yeah. we are recording in the dark for the first time. And the, and the problem is, the office is too new, so I don't know where the light switch is. Fair enough. Oh, like I said, I'm diving. <laughs> Good thing we're in the middle of summer. Yeah. Uh, we uh, have some daylight. We've got daylight for another one right, hour. We'll, we'll see how we get. We'll see how we get on. All right. So no, that that's really cool. I mean, I think the. The actual like underlying mission makes complete sense when you think about it. Like when you first come across the idea, or when I did anyway, when I joined Starling and then added Flux as like my marketplace mm. provider, it was just like this is just so obvious. And why don't more people do this? And it's mm. a bit like you know you have like a true message that people can resonate with, um, which is completely different to the whole McDonald's story around their straws <laughs> not actually being recyclable. I mean that's just like sounds like such a mess. Whoever made those decisions, but. Um, no, I think it's great, and I think what's uh, what I wanted to move on to as well is more around um, consumers spending, and maybe if we can touch on a bit of like data privacy and stuff because that's quite relevant at the moment. Um, so just around retail, and you know, there's a lot of changes happening in retail. Um, do you see Flux being like a competitive advantage to retail, and how do you see the technology playing out with the challenges to the high street and kind of retail trends? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's a super interesting point, um, you know, the whole the challenges the high street have at the moment against big online players. Um, I think there's some scary statistics since 2008, 32 major retailers have, have shut their doors for good. So huge job losses, uh, people are shopping in a very different way. Um, you know, that's a mix of factors, you know, there's business rates and rent, but, but there is a change in, in consumer behaviour completely. So, you know, you've got big booms from the Amazons, the ASOS of the world, um, but, but a lot of high street fashion retailers really struggling. Um, what's interesting is, is, I guess, where Flux can potentially be an advantage. Um, and I, I think we would, we would say that, that what we can try and bring to offline merchants is maybe the advantages an online merchant has. So online merchants clearly know a lot about their customers. You know, when you log into your delivery, your Just Deeds, your Amazon, they know what you last purchased. They know the likelihood of you really coming back to them. Um, they know what 
people buy with one product, um, what you know they're maybe likely to buy in the future. Um, and so that that's all information that, that they have that can often help a customer actually get to the right product. So it helps their product discovery and everything else. Um, but offline retailers don't know that. You know, they don't know who you are, as you said at the start. There, you walk in, you take something, and then it just kind of shows up as a number of sales. So what we do is we sort of match the individual and actually what they bought. So we can say, um, you know, with certainty that someone came in and they actually spent, you know, X amount, but they actually bought these items and we know when they then return to that shop. So we can start delivering things like rewards for returning customers. Um, before I enabled Flux on my phone, I had no idea how often I went to eat until I started getting cash back <laughs> <laughs> suddenly in my bank account for the fact that I'd obviously bought enough coffees. I had never got a, a loyalty card at that coffee shop. And um, you know I don't often pick up loyalty cards, if I'm honest. But if they can be enabled seamlessly and just purely, you know, I'm collecting points or I'm collecting loyalty stamps from my normal purchasing behavior, um, you know, that's great. And then it, it then may well jog you or incentivize you to go back. So I think for, for offline retailers, this is a bit of a game changer if they can understand customers more so. Um, at the same time, we want to be as helpful as possible to customers as well to make sure that it's being used in the right way. So we want offers that are relevant. We want offers that are, that are kind of, you know, creating value. Um, and I think that's, that's the kind of interesting part of what we do next. Hmm. I think that's the that's the really interesting thing actually, and I hadn't even like cocked on that before you mentioned it about like actually giving offline retailers that edge, um, not necessarily an edge, but actually being able to compete on the same par with the amount mm -hmm. of data that online retailers essentially have. Because I think loyalty is one of those things that um, it's like it's a bit of a continuum, right? It's either how engaged you want to be with it as a consumer. You can be super engaged and like collect all the stamps and all that kind of stuff, or you could be totally like, I'll just go in for a coffee and don't really care about anything else. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So it's kind of making it, yeah, and that absolutely means that, you know, the more cashback you receive, you just kind mm -hmm. of think like, oh, it's worth me going back here more yeah. and more. Yeah, so, and it's, it's also about, I guess, yeah, rewarding those customers that are loyal, but don't haven't necessarily maybe stated that they are a loyal customer in the sense of picking up a loyalty card. Um, so, you know, we can prompt them to, to then start collecting points that they may well have been owed. Um, you know, we found some statistics that, that actually people even with a loyalty card forget to swipe or don't always, you mm -hmm. know, add their points. Um, so that happens all the time. Um, and so, yeah, we, we can kind of, we can help that. So, you know, what we're working with KFC on is um, just, again, it's almost kind of merging the two things. So you have your bank card at the moment and you have your, your Colonel Club card. Well, we're actually saying a bit like... Wait, KFC have a loyalty program? <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, well, you know... What's it called? The Colonel Club Colonel card? Colonel Club card, yeah, what? yeah. I know, well, uh, I'm actually star in a kind of advert for it with Flux. Uh, no way, what? Out. Yeah, I mean, it is something that we created to basically demonstrate how this can work. So yeah. it, it shows how you can you can go in and then um, you would just have to use your, your usual payment card. So yeah. whereas before, you would then go on and scan another card. Um, so we see it in the same way as... You know how Oyster cards were around and you had your bank card still, but what that really contactless did is just merge those two. Yeah. So that that's kind of what we see. So we can then start going, okay, well, you paid, therefore you bought, you know, bonus banquet, that is X points, and, and you know, put that straight onto your account. That's that's the idea. So, um, so yeah, so lots of KFCs basically in the future for, for F1 at Flux. I didn't even know they had a loyalty program. <laughs> is your mind blown right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, you know, the club card. I want a Colonel Club card. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can so cool. you can get one, and um, yeah, once you signed up, then you'll start getting some uh, some yeah some rewards. Yeah, that's really wow. good. I'll tell you where Flux has really helped me though. Genuinely, like on nights out when you kind of go out and spend, I yeah. think if you're able to then the next morning like look at it and be like, <laughs> holy uh, crap! Is that good or bad? Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. Did I, did I buy all of these? Ignorance is bliss. Is good in some situations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with you though. That's um, that is an area that I think um, yeah, there's there's been quite a lot of interest in mm. purely because. Um, for banks, it's it's huge. Um, it's a huge effect on on them with, with customers calling up and saying, uh, "I don't recognise this transaction. I don't yeah. know this merchant. Um, you so know, true. I don't think I did spend that money." And um, quite often, it's it's purely because merchant names can be quite confusing, mm-hmm. and um, they can be a little bit messy, and you just see an amount and you don't see anything more. So what we are working with banks on is actually if we can say, "Well, you can click in, you can see a nice, clean, itemised level of what you bought." Well, then you'll start to remember, right? So, you know, whether it's, you know, rounds of shots or it's, you know, shoes or whatever you spent your money on, at least you probably then start to have a jog in your memory of what, what actually happened. Um, that's at least the idea. That's cool. That's awesome. Sorry to bring the mood down a little bit, but I want to pick up on a point that Shaheen made about data and privacy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the previous life, I actually worked in like a data firm. Um, so it was like direct marketing slash data solutions. So GDPR was on my game before I joined Zero um, from Westins. Um, so obviously with GDPR really coming into play last year now, um, data and privacy has never more been in like the limelight essentially. Kind of what's Flux's stance on that given you're dealing with such personal data? Yeah. So I think one one good thing in, in a way is that Flux was a company that was born during, you know, GDPR being yeah. put in place. So obviously that was that was front of mind the whole time when we were kind of building everything. Um, I think the the next hire um, flux after the kind of main founders was actually a head of compliance and someone to kind of look at that and make sure we're saying about things correctly. So I think first of all it's important to note that we take data very very seriously. So we were built with bank level security and we have to be really. You know we're working with banks that that's an important part. Uh, we're also an AISP. We were the very first AISP, so we're actually part of open banking history. Um, but what that means for people that, that maybe aren't aware is that simply our activities are supervised by the FCA. So it means that we have to have the highest level of transparency and security, and especially when it comes to handling data. Mm. Um, now, what's also important to note is that Flux controls that data, so we determine what the data is used for, and we therefore can put a lot of restrictions on that. So, you know, we want to benefit customers, and we want to ensure that what we're you know, providing with their purchase data is to say, right, you know, you can collect points you didn't maybe get, you can get cash back on something that you bought. Um, and that that's an important thing. Now, it might be that further down the line, customers want to give explicit consent for us to do other things. It might be they want to enhance or enrich a budgeting tool they have, um, you know, personal finance management app or anything like that. And in that case, you know, we can look at that. But right now, we're very, very clear in our terms and conditions when you opt in. You know, this is what we do. This is all we will do. Um, you know, we won't be sharing, you know, any individual's data with, with someone that they're not aware of. Um, you know, we don't provide to retailers, you know, that individual information at all. So, so that's something that we said about uh, being really clear on. Actually, there's some really good blogs on our website. So there's one from Matty, our founder, which is, you know, why we do what we do, which I think sets out really clearly kind of how we've seen this evolving and, and where we think we benefit consumers. Uh, and then Fahana, who is head of compliance, um, really about the responsibility we have, especially in this world of kind of big tech and questions being asked about what's actually happening with people's data, um, you know, why why people should trust us ultimately and why we need to remain transparent about what we do. 
Yeah, it seems mm. to be the new, um, like I watched The Great Hack a couple of weeks ago on Netflix and it was, uh, it's scary, like it makes mm. you think that you just want to delete everything, but yeah. obviously it's unrealistic, but um, no, it's it's really, really important to have like tight policies and I know that yeah. you guys obviously put a big focus on that because essentially you guys are like custodians of that data, yeah. right? And then um, there is tons and tons of value that that, that brings yeah. to both consumers and retailers. Um, I think... Um, just kind of looking forward, it's really interesting to me that there's still so much to achieve in the consumer space before we even start to scratch the surface in terms of value to businesses, accountants, and bookkeepers, and even like getting into that. It's just the possibilities are endless, right? Yeah. So just focusing on maybe like the immediate to medium term, like what's next for you guys? So for us, really, it is all about reaching scale as quickly as possible so for us we want adoption and um, you know as many customers finding what we do hugely useful hugely valuable so so that means you know winning those partners that we talked about so the banks and the merchants uh, and our real aim is, is ultimately to be a global company but but right now concentrate on the uk um, you know it's a really really big market ultimately so um, yeah, scaling quick, um, working with major banks, but also challenges that, that kind of setting about having a digital first kind of journey straight from day one, and they, they have views on how they want their mobile app to look um, and everything like that, and we can enhance, we can enrich all of that. But I think for us to, to really gain scale as well, it's, it's not just talking to direct merchants, we're also looking to work with kind of ethos systems. So, you know, if we can integrate um, at that level, then it may give us scale with hundreds of thousands of merchants suddenly, um, and people can kind of turn on digital receipts with Flux, um, in effect. And that way we can start, you know, reaching, um, you know, the independent um, shop that, that others may not know about, um, that may not be, you know, quite as large as a major supermarket, but someone, you know, out there really loves it and is really glad that they then have a loyalty scheme um, and they can use Flux. So, so that for us is really, really important. Cool. That's awesome. I think that's about it. Rasheen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to ask us um, or tell our listeners about? Um, so I guess the main things are that we're hiring. So we're always looking for great people. So if people um, like the sound of what we're doing and um, would like to come on board, then uh, please get in touch. Uh, the other thing is that we have quite a few announcements and exciting projects going on over the next few months and um, we, we hold open offices quite regularly so we have one coming up for them in September so if anyone's interested we will have drinks we will have food and we will give some sort of sneak previews to some of the projects going on um, one of which is a self-onboarding tool for merchants um, so that could be really fun and um, yeah I guess keep your eyes out because there should be some big announcements Awesome. Me and Sheen are already booked in, right? Yeah, we're booked in. There we go. There we go. And hopefully we'll have lights by that time as well. Always good. Yeah. I would say to like a lot of our listeners as well that are in the accounting and bookkeeping space, what it still seems to be a bit of a challenge is the challenger bank adoption. Yeah. So we know that accountants and bookkeepers, some of their firms have sections where they advise startups and small businesses and like essentially like new business um so it might be worth like exploring what the value proposition is of a challenger bank to those new businesses mm. why those are important in terms of like let's say for example like bringing in direct bank feeds into zero yeah. um, but also at the same time like using the platform of a challenger bank to activate other services around that so for example flux being one of the key 
partners, for example. I think um, that's one area that I've seen a lot of firms are still not quite scratching deep down into yeah. um, and advising their clients to, you know, essentially move it, move their bank account because it's that in itself can be a big challenge. Yeah, right? it is. And I, but I do think there'll be big movements in that space. I mean, we've just seen, you know, the remedies fund suddenly, um, you know, trickling out to, to some players there. So you've got kind of likes of Tide, you've got Coconut, um, you've got Starling for Business doing a great job. And um, I think, you know, the now the kind of setting the bar about kind of, how long should it take to onboard, um, you know, a new a new business bank account? Um, what should that functionality look like in the mobile app? Why should it be that different to any of the kind of you know functionality you have as consumer? Um, and I think that yeah, I think maybe Flux can be part of that world because um, ultimately we add an extra level of enrichment and data. And if receipts are useful for anyone, um, then it's really useful for for small businesses. So um, I think there is a lot of value there. Um, there's also, you know, potentially a different conversation, which is about, you know, where small business owners spend a lot of their money. Quite often you will get, you know, uh, discounts because you, you have a subscription to a certain service or, or you buy a lot of it or whatever. But um, are there things they're missing out on, you know? Um, are there merchant relationships that Flux could eventually leverage that could help small business owners um, deliver kind of rewards and offers and things like that, 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 you know, are great savings for them? And I think that's a point that we'd love to get to one day. Cool. And how can uh, people find you online if they want to get in touch? What's the best way? So um, if you want to kind of check out Flux generally, it's tryflux.com. And then I am Rasheen Levine. So um, it's just my Twitter handle. It's simply that. I have a pretty unique name. Um, yeah. Hence why I also don't like giving my email address uh, uh, till because it usually takes far longer than just me spelling out uh, R-O-I-S-I-N. And it's like, what? Trust me, I get that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. I just get little brain actor every time, every time. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> thanks so much for your time and thanks for having us at your offices, despite the lights not working. Yeah. Um, no, it's been, it's been really yeah. good and really interesting. I think, um, like, for Matt and I, we're just, like, such geeks in this space. So it's always cool to know, like, what's happening, what's yeah. coming, how that impacts, like, how we work and who we work mm. with. Um, so, yeah, just just thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? As always, tweet me at Matt Lucas Tweets um, on LinkedIn as well if you want to give it serious. Um, but other than that, yeah, make, reach me out on link, uh, Twitter. That's where I'm most active. And how about yourself? At Shaheen Badrani. Um, for those of you who don't follow me, good luck trying to spell that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, at, on Twitter as always. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As usual, if you can just rate and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform that you listen to podcasts on, um, that'd be fantastic. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, and we'll see you guys all in episode 11. Nice one. Cheers. Thanks.